welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Amen. Now I have the pleasure of introducing my favorite preacher today. I am excited about the word that God has put on her heart. Can we give it up for Pastor Melissa today? Good morning. So, as TJ said, I'm Melissa. If I have not met you yet, I would love to meet you after the service out in the lobby. We are in a series. I was a little distracted. There's a banana on the floor. Let's start again. (laughs) Squirrel. We're in a series called Kingdom Come. I'm really excited about this series because it's one of Jesus' most famous sermons and the longest recorded sermon that we have that he spoke and he taught. And so we get to look at that and we're looking through Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And the first week as we kicked off this series, Kingdom Come, We talked about how Jesus is preaching about a kingdom that's radically different than what his audience knew and expected from this king, this Messiah that had come to save them. And I would say that today, this kingdom that we're looking at right now, the kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about, is radically different than the world around us. Radically different than the culture that we know. And he's calling us up out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's calling us into a different identity. We talked about how he has reassigned our passport. Once it said that we were of the world, that this is where we belonged. And now it says through Jesus and his salvation and his sacrifice that we belong to heaven. That we're citizens of heaven. This is not our home. We're just passing through. But we're passing through with a mission. And we're called to live in our kingdom identity. Tying ourself to heaven. And last week, Pastor TJ talked about the woes. He jumped us over to Luke, which was an add-on of the Beatitudes, the blessings that Jesus first talked about in Matthew chapter 5. And he helped us to understand that the woes were not condemnation. And it wasn't a rebuke. But the woes were a warning because of how much Jesus loves us. He said, woe, don't go down that way. My heart breaks for those of you who choose to put your hope in the things of this world. Who choose to find your identity in the things of this world. My heart breaks for you. It's a warning. And when we live in the blessing, because like what we talked about in week one, the blessing is a promise in the kingdom of God through the posture of our hearts and surrender to his will instead of ours. When we live in that promise, the blessing is joy and peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. And then TJ said, and it's like, whoa, whoa. I just had to. I just loved Blossom growing up. That's all I heard. Whoa. This week we're going to be talking about Matthew. Not Matthew. We're going to be talking about Jesus. (laughs) We're going to Matthew chapter 5 and continuing on. We're going to be talking about salt and light. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this time that we have. 
to dive into your word, to unpack your truth. I thank you that you are still revealing to us today the truths and the realities of the kingdom of God. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to identify ourselves with this kingdom instead of that of the world. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work on our hearts, that we'd be transformed by the power of your word applied to our lives, and that you would speak through me, and that I would get out of the way so that your will would be done in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. And if you don't have your Bible, it should be up on the screen behind me. Jesus starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. One of the first things that struck me and that I want you to notice here as we dive into this passage is that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say, I want you to try really, really hard to be the salt of the earth. He didn't say this is something that you can strive towards, a goal that you can have in your life. He said, no, you are already called salt of the earth. You have a new identity in me. Now in Jesus' day, just as in ours, they would take that to have a lot of weight. Because they knew, just as we know, that salt has value. Salt is useful. Salt has purpose. And so Jesus is saying, you have value. You have purpose. You're useful to the kingdom of God. And because you are salt, you have a responsibility. You have a calling on your life in this earth. Because we're salt, we have been given the responsibility and the calling to do three things. And I want to just quickly share it and I'll break it down in a minute. Because we are salt, we've been given the responsibility, the call to elevate the goodness of God in our world. We've been called as salt to preserve the kingdom of God, the goodness of God in our world. And we've been called to protect our purity. As salt, we're called to elevate the goodness of God in the world. What does salt do? I think, you know, when it's not winter time, we don't think of it on the street. We think of it on our food, right? Salt doesn't change the flavor or what the food is, but it enhances the flavor. It enhances the goodness of the food that we eat. Has anyone ever had anyone who just refuses to use salt? It's like hard to stomach. You have to have your salt shaker. I don't know. I like salt. When I make my grandma's chocolate and biscuits, for example, my great-grandma's recipe, and if you aren't from the South, you probably don't know what that is, and that probably sounds disgusting, but it's a delicacy. It's like chocolate gravy. And I'll tell you that when I make it once a year, because it's really unhealthy, <laughs> when I make it for my family around Christmas time, I put in two large cups of sugar. I put in a tablespoon of flour. I put in a tablespoon of cocoa powder. And then I add a pinch of salt. 
Why? Because the salt doesn't make the chocolate salty. The salt enhances the goodness of the chocolate. The salt enhances and elevates the flavor and the sweetness of the chocolate. It makes it better. When we as followers of Jesus, as kingdom citizens, are added into this world, called into this world by Jesus himself, and he says, you are salt, what he's saying to us is that you have value and you're called to make it better. You're called to make this world a better place. In every space that we occupy, Jesus has called us to elevate his goodness, to make it better. That means in your job, in your workplace, as much as you hate it, as much as people are frustrating, you're called by Jesus as the salt of the earth to make it a better place to be. You're called in your school when you're surrounded by darkness, when you're surrounded by kids that are depressed and discouraged and addicted. You're called to bring the goodness of God with you where you are and make it better. You're called in your family and in your marriage, in your home. Every platform that God has given you, social media. He said, you are salt. You have a job to do. You are to elevate my goodness and make it better. How do we do this? We do this by living counter-culturally. We're called to a higher standard. We're called to a higher purpose. Jesus says, you're not belonging to this world anymore. You belong to my kingdom. And I have a different set of values. I have something I've called you up into. Kingdom focused. Building his kingdom on earth instead of our own. Empowered by the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. We carry with us. And this is our reality as followers of Jesus. We carry with us the very presence of God with every step that we take in every relationship that we have, every space that we occupy on this earth. We're called to bring the goodness of God. We're called to elevate not ourselves in our platform, in our influence, but we're called to elevate him, to make much of him, to make every space we occupy better because he's there and we know it. And as kingdom citizens, as salt of the earth, we add value to every place we exist. As salt, we're called to preserve his kingdom mission. We're called to preserve his goodness in this world. Salt, especially in Jesus' time, was a very valuable commodity because it preserved the quality of food. When meat is packed in salt, it would actually make it last longer and have better quality so that people wouldn't get sick when they ate it. And I researched this because I was just curious, how does that process even work? Why does salt work in that way to preserve the goodness of meat? And what it does is that the salt on the meat draws out moisture and it creates an atmosphere. It creates an environment where the quality of the meat is preserved 
the goodness of the food is preserved. And any bad bacteria has no place to grow, no place to develop. It preserves it. And Jesus said, you are called to preserve. To preserve. You are the salt of the earth. Through Jesus Christ living in us, we have the ability to create atmospheres wherever we go. Through the Holy Spirit, shifting atmospheres and creating environments where the goodness of God is thriving. And the impurities of this world and this culture have no place to grow. They have no place. They have no power when we carry with us the presence of God and we create an atmosphere for them to not thrive. See, the enemy has an agenda. If you didn't know, we have a very real enemy over this world. And Satan's agenda is always the same. To steal, to kill, and destroy everything that would represent the goodness of God so that people are lost, so that people are in the dark, so people don't know this good God that we serve, so people don't know the salvation of Jesus. He is out to steal, kill, and destroy the very things that we're called to the world to display. And so Jesus is telling us that we're called to preserve his kingdom. And to preserve his goodness. As salt, our lives not only reflect and preserve the goodness of God, but like I said, through Jesus, we have to recognize that we don't walk into an atmosphere and succumb to whatever temperature is set by the culture of this world. We're called to be a thermostat in every atmosphere that we're at, every room that we enter into, every workplace, every relationship. Jesus said, you shift that atmosphere. I've called you there. You're on a mission there. You're salt. You have purpose. And you're called to create environments where the things of this world cannot remain and where Jesus Christ is glorified in your life. We do not allow the enemy to prosper in the places that God had calls us to set our feet and take ground. We're called to bring his presence, an awareness of his presence in our own lives, to every space that we occupy. And allow him to push back darkness through us. Allow him to shift the atmosphere through us. We preserve the things of God on this earth. And we refuse to allow the world's influence to grow in our life. We refuse to allow the world's influence to grow in our families. We refuse to allow the world's influence to grow in our marriage and in our schools and in our workplace and in our city. Come on, somebody. Jesus has sent us out to occupy all streets of Racine, all neighborhoods in this city, every school in this school system. We get to carry the culture of heaven, the values of the kingdom of God with us wherever we go. The third thing as salt that we are called to, the responsibility that we have as kingdom citizens, as salt, 
is to protect our purity. To protect our purity. Jesus said, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? I thought salt lasts forever. And if you do a really quick Google search, which I did, you will find that salt, in fact, has no expiration date. So what is Jesus talking about? That you could lose your saltiness. Well, there's a disclaimer that I found. Thank you, Google. Pure salt has no expiration date. Pure salt doesn't lose its value. Pure salt doesn't lose its saltiness. Pure salt, when exposed to the elements, does not change its impact. Never loses its flavor. But what happens when salt becomes impure? What happens when salt begins to have other things added to it? It can be as simple as garlic salt. Something else was added in. It didn't seem that bad, but now, guess what? That shelf life is two or three years. Now that salt is going to lose its saltiness. It's going to lose its flavor. It's going to lose its usefulness. It's going to lose its impact. And what happens is, is that when we allow the culture and the values and the things of this world to be so intertwined in our lives, and we start mixing up other things where God has called us to set boundaries, and we start living for values that were set by the world that weren't set by Jesus in his kingdom, living for his kingdom, we become impure salt. We lose our saltiness. We lose our impact. We lose our effectiveness for the kingdom of God because we can't change the world like Jesus has called us to change the world if we're living exactly like the world does. If everything we do lines up with the world. If we're accepted by the world. We talked about that in week one. Jesus warned us that you will be hated by the world because you don't belong to the world anymore. You don't live by their set of values. You live for a higher purpose. You live for a higher authority in King Jesus. There is a purity, friends, and it doesn't get talked about enough. There is a purity that we as Jesus followers are called to, a higher standard of living that we're called to when we are called by Jesus. He's calling us up out of the dark and into his marvelous light. He's calling us into a better way. He's calling us on mission because we are the salt of the earth. He's asking that we would protect our purity. That our lives would be untainted by the impurities of this world. The impurities of this culture. We would have purity of mind renewing our mind through his word, that we would have purity of heart, that we would have purity of our bodies, recognizing that our bodies are a temple, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within. Friends, we have an enemy who is after this next generation, and he's after their purity. 
I pray protection over my boys every single morning. God, would you protect their purity of their minds and their hearts and their bodies. Guard what they see and guard what they hear and guard what they consume from this world. When we're following Jesus, called and chosen by him to build his kingdom here and now on earth, we fight to protect the purity that he's called us to so that we can have an impact, so that we can be useful, so that we can see his kingdom come here on earth, in Racine, in our home, as it is in heaven. We fight to protect our purity by choosing God's kingdom, his way over our own, his kingdom over that of this world. And this means that we choose not to consume certain things. Not because God is after our fun, not because he doesn't want us to enjoy life, but he actually wants us to enjoy life in the way that he meant it. So that means that the world might say certain books that you read are okay. Certain movies that you watch are okay. Songs that you listen to are okay. It's okay if you talk like that about someone. It's okay if you use that language because the world says it's okay, but we are called to a higher standard than that of the world. We're not measuring ourselves against the world. We're measuring ourselves to the perfection of Jesus Christ, and we recognize that we're on mission to impact this world, to show them who Jesus is, and we can't do that if we're looking exactly like the world we're trying to reach. So we watch what we consume. We say, God, is this edifying to me? Is this going to help me with the mission that you've called me to? Is this going to help me propel the kingdom of God in this world? Or is this going to taint my heart? Is this going to cause some impurities? Is this going to cause some sin struggles in me? Is this going to cause my mind to be clouded and my heart to be far from you? And we ask ourselves these things every single day. If it's not you, if it's not what you want for me, God, I don't want it. Because I have a mission. I have a purpose. And I'm not going to forego what you've called me to. What good is salt if it loses its saltiness? What good impact does a follower of Jesus have? in this world if they look like the world instead of looking like Jesus. Salt, pure salt, it never expires. It never loses impact. It never loses flavor. And we are salt. It's not something we're working towards. It's who Jesus has called us to be. You are the salt of this earth. You have value. You have a mission. You have usefulness. You have purpose for my kingdom. He's calling us to take the responsibility of being salt on this earth with a lot of weight. That we're called to improve every place that we're in, every relationship we have by pointing to the goodness of God, by elevating his goodness in this earth. We're called to preserve and protect the kingdom and the values that we're called to live by in the kingdom and create environments and shift atmospheres through the power of the Holy Spirit where the world can't penetrate 
and his goodness and his kingdom thrives. And we're called to protect our purity, to recognize that our purpose is far too great. Our calling by Jesus is far too great to be thrown out on a whim of the world. The world needs us to be who Jesus has called us to be and to affect the quality of every space that we occupy by being the salt of the earth and representing Jesus to a lost and dying world. He's telling us, in fact, because we are salt, that we are called to look different. We're called to be set apart. We're called to make change, to add value, to bring his kingdom here and now. He goes on to tell us that we're the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Light has value. Jesus is still saying, you have value. You are the light of the world. Light illuminates and transforms every space that it occupies, does it not? Where there's light, people have vision. Light is attractive. I think of flying in on an airplane at night and seeing the cities lit up. Your eyes are just drawn to the beauty of light, to the stars in the sky. Light travels fast and its reach is far. We see that in the stars. And Jesus said that you are the light of the world. Meaning, you are called to be attractive. To shine my light so that others would see. To illuminate spaces. And to illuminate a path for others to see Jesus and to come close. As we shine brightly and boldly for Jesus, we actually can illuminate that path. We can help others find him. We can be bold in sharing who he is in the way that we live and in the way that we share. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what you've been told. I don't know where you're coming from. But I just want to tell you and clear something up right now. Having a personal relationship with Jesus was never and will never be meant to be private. It wasn't. Having a personal relationship with Jesus, being changed and transformed and set free, he said, no, I did that and I'm calling you to put your life on display. I'm calling you to put your faith on display. We live in a dark world where people need the light of Jesus. We're called salt and light for a reason. We're called to elevate Jesus, to make much of him in every place of our life. 
and to illuminate every space that we occupy to shine his light for his kingdom, for his glory. We carry with us a responsibility, friends, to make Jesus known. It's not a hidden and private thing. Jesus doesn't stop at salvation. He calls us up and he gives us a purpose and a mission. And friends, I want you to hear this too. So often we get caught up in the brokenness of this world and the darkness of this world. And I say we get caught up, meaning sometimes when people bump up against you, their brokenness bumps into yours. It's just irritating. And it's so easy to be in those moments like, oh, where is the hope in this? Like I'm called to love them. Yes. We're called to be a light. We're called to be a light for people who have no hope, who have no joy, who have no purpose right now, who are broken and weary and searching. And instead of bashing the very people who are stumbling around in the darkness, lost and confused, we're called to light the path for them to find Jesus in every part of our life. When we live for the kingdom of God, Jesus will use us to elevate his goodness in this broken world. To change and transform every environment that we're a part of. The light of Jesus in us should be so attractive to those around us that they want what we have in him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm almost done. But friends, if you're not elevating his goodness and making every space that you occupy in your life day in and day out better because God's goodness is in you and is there, and if you're not changing and transforming the atmosphere through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're being a a victim to the temperature, someone else set, someone who's led by the things of this world and not by your King Jesus, if you aren't shining his light and illuminating a path for people to find him, Jesus is saying, what good is salt if it's not salty anymore? What good is a lamp that's been hidden under a basket? What purpose does that serve? What kingdom impact are you having in this world? He has given us the power through his Holy Spirit living within us to actually push back darkness. To actually lead people to Jesus. Are we living in the world, recognizing our identity as kingdom citizens, recognizing the mission that God has given us, the purpose he's planted within us, tying our identity and our hope and our purpose to that of heaven? Or are we caught up living as the world lives, talking like the world talks, putting our hope in the things that the world does, being trampled by culture, and hidden in darkness. You are 
the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You have value. You have purpose. You have usefulness for the kingdom of God. Let it shine. Make a difference. Say yes to the things that Jesus is calling you into. Be bold in your faith. Trust that he's there. Trust that he has a plan, that he has a will in your workplace. He has a will for your marriage. He has a will for your family. He has a plan and a purpose for every place that you are in. And when we do, when every one of us chooses to be on mission, to live for his kingdom, to build his kingdom, to shine the brightness of Jesus in our lives, we will be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We've been praying that over Racine since before we moved back to plant this church. God, make Racine a place that people wanna come because you are king over our city. God, make us a city on a hill, a beacon of hope, shining his goodness, a place where darkness has to flee, a place where darkness cannot thrive in Jesus' name. Darkness will have no place to hide on our streets and in our homes under the bright light of Jesus Christ shining through every one of us if we take our responsibility seriously, if we recognize that we have value and that we have a mission, that we've been called by Jesus for a purpose far greater than ourselves. Our city, our families, our friendships, our marriages, our schools and our workplaces will be forever changed because we're there. God's called us to be there. And it's not anything about us, but it's the fact that he's placed us there and he has a mission for us there and he has a purpose for us there. And where we are, there he is. We carry the presence of the living God with us. And he has a mission. And when we're living for his kingdom, when we're living on mission, the world doesn't get to dictate our decisions anymore. The world doesn't get to dictate how we feel or how we view a circumstance that we're in. The world doesn't get to corrupt our purity. No. We are salt. We are light. We're called to build his kingdom. We're called to a better way. And the enemy of this world cannot keep people hidden in darkness, lost in the dark. If we are on mission, choosing to light a path for them to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to meet Jesus through us. Illuminating a path for people to find true freedom, be set free from the strongholds of sin in their life to find joy, to find peace, to find hope, to find salvation, to find Jesus. And Jesus is looking for a people. He's scanning the room right now and he's looking for a people who would say, yes, I've been bought at a price. I've been forgiven and set free. 
I have a different identity. I have a different mission because of what Jesus has called me into. And while I'm here on earth, knowing that my home is in heaven, in the time that I have, I'm going to live on mission to build his kingdom, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, because Jesus has called me to separate myself from the things of this world and be on mission set apart for holy things, to make an impact. He's looking for kingdom people who will live boldly in their faith, who will love and serve the people around them, whether they like them or not, because Jesus has called us to love and serve the people around us because every person our physical eyes see is deeply loved by Jesus. And if you see them, then you're there with a mission and a purpose to show them who Jesus is. You're not anywhere you are by accident. Jesus has placed you there on purpose. And he has a plan to use you to be salt and light. He's calling us, friends, to radically transform the world around us by living radically transformed ourselves. Living for a radically different kingdom than that of what we see in this world and in this culture. We're kingdom citizens. We're called to elevate God's goodness everywhere we're at, to add value everywhere we're at, to illuminate a path through our life, to look different, to set ourselves apart, to obey the things that he's calling us to, the higher standard he's calling us to, so that when people see us, they see him. They don't see someone consuming the same things that they are. They see someone who says, no, I recognize my value. Jesus has said, I have value. He says, I have purpose. And I'm not going to taint that purpose by consuming these things. I'm on mission. I'm on mission. The kingdom of darkness has no claim on those of us who claim the kingdom of heaven. And so we can pray and we can genuinely believe when we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Racine as it is in heaven, in my home, in my relationships as it is in heaven. Why? Because we're there. And where we're there, he's there. And he's called us and he's equipped us and he's empowering us through his Holy Spirit to call heaven down, to build his kingdom here. So when we pray, he says, yeah, I can do that because I've placed you there and you're carrying the culture of my kingdom into your workplace, into your school. I have a plan, I have a mission. And we get so bogged down by all the wrong things, distracted of the things of this world. And he's saying, don't do that. You are salt, you are light, you have purpose and you have value in my kingdom. Jesus said in John 12, 46, he said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
We don't have to buy the lie that we're stuck in the dark. He said, I've come as the light that you're searching for. I've come to show you a better way. We don't have to remain in the dark. And we never close a service without giving the opportunity for someone in the room to step into a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's here. I believe that he's speaking. I believe that he's speaking purpose and value over your life, that he's calling you into more. And it starts by believing him, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came and he sacrificed his life. He died on that cross and rose again three days later so that you can have relationship with God so that you can be forgiven of every sin that you would ever commit, so that you would have the hope of eternity in heaven with him. And in the meantime, while you're here on earth, you have purpose, you have value. The eyes of our Father are on you. And so I would just ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your head. I wanna just give this space a moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're speaking. I thank you that you're moving in the hearts right now. Let us hear your word. Let us hear your voice. If you're in this place right now, and you would say, yeah, I've been, I've been the one stumbling around in the darkness for far too long. Jesus is calling to you. Jesus is inviting you in. He said, you don't have to be in the dark anymore. I've made a way for you. I have a purpose for you. I have value on your life. You don't have to try to find your hope and your identity in the things of this world anymore. No, I've called you up. I've called you out of the dark. I've called you into my marvelous light and I have joy for you and I have peace for you and I have forgiveness for you. I have life for you. And if that's you in this place today, I wanna pray over you. So I'm gonna ask you to be bold and brave and I'm gonna ask you when I count to three to raise your hand if you want today to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. One, two, Three, shoot your hands in the air if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I pray over every hand raised. I thank you for the way that your word goes out and doesn't return void. I thank you that they have heard your voice today and that they are responding to the call on their life, that you have a better way, that you have a better plan, that you have a purpose for them, that your eyes are on them. God, I pray that they would continue to know your love deeper and deeper every day. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Whatever we came in here with, God, we repent and we say we're sorry. We're sorry for the things that have separated us from you, but we thank you for your forgiveness that you said on the cross as you nailed, were nailed there, God, that our sins are forgiven and you count them against us no more. We praise you for that, Jesus. I pray for every life that made that decision, that they would come to know you more intimately 
and to walk in their God-given purpose each and every day, that you would empower them through your Holy Spirit, that you would equip them through your Holy Spirit, and that you would love them so well in this moment right now, as I know you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with all of heaven for those lives that made that decision? Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.